The following message is a presentation from Grace Baptist Church in Kettering, Ohio. Proverbs chapter 28, let's stand together in verse number 12. And let's read together there. When righteous men do rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked rise, a man is hidden. Now here, I want us to notice this verse. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Happy is the man that feareth always, feareth the Lord always. But he that hardeneth his heart shall fall into mischief. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you bless the reading of your word. And as we consider this matter of freedom, uh, nationally, Lord, we're grateful for it. But Lord, this matter of freedom personally, oh God, I pray that you would help us to walk in the freedom that you have provided for us. And I pray that you would do a great work in our hearts this morning. I know that I need you, and Lord, every hearer needs you, and so we pray for your presence to be among us and working in freedom. Uh, Lord, we pray for liberty, and I pray that every single person would know the joy of walking in freedom in the relationship with you, we pray. Lord, if there's someone that does not know you as Savior, I do ask, I am I beg you that you would work in their hearts today, that you would convict them, that you'd help them to realize their need for you. And Lord, you said if, if, we're, if we are set free by you, we are free indeed. It's a real freedom. And so I pray for that for anyone that does not know you this morning. And so we ask that you would have your will and your way in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated. Would you bow there in your seats and just ask the Lord in the quiet of this moment, Lord, speak to me. Lord, speak to me. Would you bow your heads and ask the Lord to do that? Give him permission to work in your heart today. Lord, speak to me. I'm not asking you to speak to the next person. I'm asking you to speak to me. My Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd hear the prayers of your people. May our hearts be genuine towards you and allowing you to work in our hearts, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We do live in a free nation, and uh, we call it the land of the free and the home of the brave, right? That's something that is special to us, and uh, it is a, uh, a privilege that we have, and we celebrate our national freedom uh, today. It doesn't often fall on Sunday, but we celebrate it today. It's, it's befitting because we are free in two ways. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ, you're positionally free in Jesus Christ, and you're free as a citizen of this nation. And we ought to thank God for that. We ought to treasure it. We ought to promote it. We ought to stand up for our freedom. We, we should um, be, of all people, as being free in our hearts, be the most uh, willing to boldly stand up for the freedom for those here in this nation and around the world. We should treasure that freedom. But you know, it is interesting to me as we think about the freedom that we have here in our nation that it was won through sacrifice and through the, the willingness on the part of many before us. Many people who have given the ultimate sacrifice. 
Many who have, uh, who have said, I will go fight. I will stand up for it. Many who have given up their, their lives, their, their fortunes, and their sacred honor to give us what we have today, to give us the enjoyment of being able to sit in this auditorium today and, and be in freedom. It was won by those who feared God. It's wonderful to live in a free nation, is it not? Can I hear an amen to that? It's wonderful. May we not neglect that. May we not take that for granted. If we take it for granted, friends, we may, may well lose. It. We're, we're on the cusp of some of that right now in our nation. We dare not take it for granted. But you know what? It's interesting to me as I consider this from a, a Christian perspective. I believe it's possible for us as those who call upon the name of the Lord, believe in Jesus Christ and have been set free in our spirits for us to live inside of a Christian nation to celebrate and to sing songs of celebration and, and praise the God for our, our liberty here nationally. I believe it's fully possible for us as believers to live in bondage that God never intended for us to live in. And that bondage being to our own sin. You know, it's interesting. Right from the get-go, Satan came in the garden, chapter number 3, and he began, to, he began to tempt them and say something along the lines, Has God really said? You know that every sin starts with this. It begins with believing a lie. If, if Eve had simply believed that God, what God had said was absolutely true and God was not lying to her, she would have been able to stand up against, that, uh, against the temptation and say, no, no, God actually said this. He actually said uh, that all the other fruit of the garden, all the other trees we could eat of, this one, if we eat of it in that day, we shall surely die. Not if we just look at it, uh, if we touch it, but actually he said, if we eat of it, we'll surely die. She could have thwarted that with truth, but she did not. And you know what? It is interesting Satan still today tells us that freedom is found outside of the boundaries that God sets in our lives outside of the boundaries of God's word all over this nation we're struggling with this fact we can truly be free if we just put aside what God says put aside all the biblical understanding of all the the the, the, uh, the in God we trust all those things if we put that aside if we live outside of God's commands outside of God's commands for marriage outside of God's commands for life outside of God's commands for how a society is to live together if we can just live outside of that, we can truly be free. If we can understand that our rights come from government and not from God, we can, we can live outside of the constraints of God and we'll truly know happiness when everyone's receiving a paycheck from the government, when everyone is receiving from outside of God, we'll truly know happiness. Satan still tells us, Satan still tells us that it's outside of the bounds of God's words that there is true freedom. God says it's within the boundaries of my word that you will experience true freedom. Here, friends, here's the problem. We as human beings who are still dwelling in the flesh get tempted with the philosophies of this world, and God told us to beware of those vain philosophies, those empty philosophies, and we start believing, you know what? True freedom, even in, as a believer, is found outside of the principles of the word of God. Friends, sin will always bring you into bondage. Every single time. Listen, the fact is, Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 13, we are to stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ has made us free. We are free people as believers. If you know Jesus Christ this morning, if you've accepted him as your personal sa uh, Savior, if you have 
realized your own personal sinfulness and come to him and said, I am a sinner. My sin does deserve the penalty of hell. My sin does deserve your judgment. I acknowledge to you, I am a sinner. If you've received what he did for you in your place at the cross, you've trusted him, you've confessed him. You said, I don't want my own way anymore. I don't want my own sin anymore. I'm turning to Jesus Christ. I receive his free gift of eternal life. I receive his forgiveness. If you're there this morning, you are positionally, you are absolutely made free. You're free. Free, and it doesn't even matter what nation you live in. You're free before the Lord Jesus Christ. It's an amazing, amazing thing. But the fact is, as believers, we can start listening to the, the will of, the, uh, of Satan, the temptations, the wiles of Satan, the schemes of Satan, and believe that outside the boundaries of God's word is where we'll find freedom. It's like a, a sheep with a shepherd always walking along the fence. Freedom's out there. There's greener grass over there. Look, the world gets to have fun. Do you know what the Bible told us? Fret not yourselves because of evildoers, because of those that prosper in the way. But what do we do as believers? Well, you know, if I could just not do this, if I didn't have to prioritize God, I could be rich like that person, have a nice house like that person. I could, you know, everything would fall into place. No, freedom is not found outside of the principles of God's word. And guys, as we lead our families, we must lead within the principles of God's word. Why? Because freedom is not found outside of the principles, of, of the boundaries of God's word. Sin always brings us into bondage. I want, as a matter of introduction this morning, Romans chapter 7 and verse number 18, Paul struggled with this. Paul, the apostle Paul, every, and we often think, boy, Paul is the one who is just a super Christian. No, he wasn't a super Christian. He was just like you and I. He just had a different calling than you. But he says in Romans chapter 7 and verse number 18, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. There dwelleth no good thing in my flesh, right? In nothing. He, he says it, for to will is present with me. I have the desire to do right, but how to perform it, that which is good, I find not. I don't know, I don't know how to take the step. I struggle with actually practicing uh, personal righteousness, practical daily righteousness. Verse 18, for the good that I would, uh, I would, I do not. The good that I desire, I find myself not doing. But the evil which I would not, I don't want to do, I, that I do. How many times have you you've done something and you said, no, why in the world did I do that? Anyone with me on that? Why in the world did I say that? Well, congratulations. You're in the same boat as the Apostle Paul. We have that struggle. Later on in that chapter, he actually calls it, there's a warring in our flesh. How many of you how many of you say, I, I feel that war in my flesh between the spirit and the, and the flesh? I feel that war. I, I want to do wrong, but I know I shouldn't do it, and, I, and sometimes I, I do it. Well, here's what Paul says. In verse 24, he says, O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? He is referring back to an illustration. He's using a, a word picture there. The idea of deliver, obviously, to rescue, to free right? Who's going to deliver me from this body of flesh? Maybe, uh, maybe uh, as we think about going to heaven, that's going to be one of the greatest things, having a new body, having a sinless body, no more flesh, we'll always do right, we'll be perfectly made whole and righteous, and it's going to be an amazing thing, we'll be free from the presence of sin, how awesome that is, but he's saying, who's going to deliver me from this body, uh, body, uh, a body of death? 
literally in those days, if, if there was a criminal who had, who had uh, murdered someone, uh, one of the, the possible consequences, one of the possible sentences that they would receive is to have that person's body strapped to them and literally walk around while this body decayed on them and they would be diseased because of it and die a very slow and painful death. Not a pretty picture. The Apostle Paul, when he was talking about the feeling about his own flesh, he says, there's no good thing that dwells in me, none at all. In fact, I feel like I'm walking around with a, a dead corpse on me. And he says, who's going to deliver me? Who's going to let me go from this? Well, I thank Jesus Christ, my Lord, who always gives us the victory, always gives us the freedom. God did not intend for you to be in spiritual bondage to your sin. Great, we live in a free nation. But God did not intend for you to be in spiritual bondage to your sin. Not one day. He saved you. He rescued you. He redeemed you to bring you out of that. Listen, there are two categories of people in the world. Lost sinners and saved sinners. Right? Lost, they've not come to Jesus Christ and been forgiven, redeemed, justified, for, uh, justified, made righteous before God. They've not had that yet. But we as saved sinners still struggle in the flesh with sin. What do we do when we sin? If we per, um, continue in that, the Bible helps us understand, we will find that we're just going to be in bondage to that sin, even as those that do not have to live that way. I find in Romans chapter 6 and verse number 1, the Bible talks to us about, shall we continue in sin? No! Not at all. Don't do that. God didn't plan for that to happen. There's grace for that. We don't have to continue in that. We don't have to stay in bondage. So here's what I wanted us to understand. Our Heavenly Father has made a way for every single one of us who still dwell in the flesh to be set free from the bondage of sin in a practical, daily, moment-by-moment way. We do not have to live our lives. You do not have to live your Monday in bondage to sin. You do not have to be under the heavy hand of God in bondage to your sin. You do not have to go one more day in bondage to it. Not one more. So we're going to look at two choices today from Proverbs chapter 28 and verse number 13. Proverbs 28 and verse number 13. And I want us to realize this morning that God gives us a choice that we can make, one wrong choice and one right choice, we can make, and dependent on the choice that you make with your own, whatever you're dealing with with the Lord, the, uh, dependent on the choice that you make when you send tomorrow is going to depend, is going to be the difference of whether you go forward in spiritual freedom, the, the understanding, experiencing that spiritual freedom, or go forward in bondage. And so we all want to go forward in spiritual freedom. So let's look into this and allow God to work in our hearts. Number one, I want you to notice here in verse number 20, uh, chapter 28, verse 13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Let's say that out loud together. Read that good and loud with me. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. One more time. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. That's pretty clear. In fact, I don't think I have to do a whole lot more reading of that verse or explaining of that verse for us to really uh, grapple with the, the reality of that. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper. Uh, a child can understand the meaning of this verse. You cover over your sins, you're not going to prosper. You're not going to go forward in life. I think sometimes, though, that we, we begin to excuse and, and really look past sin. Uh, the sin that, that, that was 
that God hated ahead of salvation is still the sin that he hates after salvation. The fact is, in Christ, we're completely forgiven of it positionally. But it doesn't mean that God wants us to go forward in that sin, right? And so there's many sins that are mentioned in the New Testament. In fact, one man did some categorizing or some uh, listing of the sins in the New Testament and found that there's 120 plus sins that are mentioned in the New Testament. By the way, we're all forgiven of all of those sins, but he doesn't want us to walk day by day in them because they will bring us into bondage. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 3 and verse number 4, whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. Why? For sin is transgression of the law. Let's say that together. For sin is transgression of the law. It's the breaking, the breaching of God's law. So some people say, well, I'm not under the law. I'm under grace, so it really doesn't matter anymore. I can sin. I've even heard that go as far as for people to say, I have no longer the need to go and seek forgiveness because it's all forgiven anyway. I don't even need to go and seek forgiveness from those people that have wronged. And that is a gross twisting of Scripture. Because the Bible tells us that we do need to seek daily forgiveness from our Heavenly Father. We need to seek daily forgiveness from those that, that we wrong. And so, whosoever committed sin, transgressing, they break God's law. So what are these sins that are listed throughout the, the New Testament? You can go through and read them on your own, but I'm going to, from A, A to Z, so to speak, I'm just going to rattle down these. Why? Because I think we need to remember God still hates sin. Why? Because it brings us into bondage. It disrupts our relationship with him. The sin of adultery, the sin of anger, the sin of uh, anger with one's brother, arrogance, the, the pride, the lifting oneself over, uh, over others, bitterness, allowing uh, resentment to brew and stay in our spirit, the blasphemy against God, the boasting. You ever been around a boastful person? Oh, God hates that. Blasphemy against God, brutality, brutality, the bullying that goes on in our society, brutalness, the, the, the brutalness with which which people will act out against each other and murder. Uh, murder. And even as we think about how, how our country has uh, full-on engaged this, the sin of abortion and, and, and the brutality of that, of that wickedness, a brother going to law against brother, carousing and, and partying in a, in a very sinful way, clamor, the point where it's just, there's just constant uh, fighting and, and so on, uh, the complaining, conceit, coveting. Do you know what the Bible says? You know that the Bible says that the sin of coveting within a congregation is a matter of church discipline? You thought about that? The Bible doesn't want us to covet. God says don't covet. Don't have a heart that's constantly longing after that, what, that God has not given you. We live in a very covetous day. And that seeps into our lives as believers coveting. It's a sin to be repented of. Cowardice. Not going forward when God tells us to. Not depending on the courage of God. Deceit. Defrauding uh, one another, especially within the, the marriage relationship. The, the, uh, the denying Christ. Desiring the praise of men. Disobedience to parents in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 2. Uh, division uh, within the church. There was all sorts of that. In the church of Corinth, 1 Corinthians 1, verse number 10, all sorts of division, constant fighting and, and, and bickering going on, drinking uh, parties and drunkenness, 
eating bread or uh, drinking the cup of the Lord unworthily, coming to the table of the Lord and saying, I'm good, I'm good, and remembering his sacrifice, but you've not been made right. You've not made right and kept a short account with God. Effeminacy, uh, enmities, constant strife, the, the, uh, the harboring of enemies, envy, evil thoughts, just wicked thinking, false witnessing, Fathers provoking their children to wrath. Fearfulness. Fearfulness. You know that God wants to give us a victory over every fear? Fearfulness. Filthiness. Foolishness. Now, sometimes we downplay that. But acting like a fool is not, is not taking the word of God and applying it into our lives. That's what foolishness is. It's I know it, but I don't do it. I know it, but I disregard it. Foolishness. Foolish talking. Talking that, well, you know, I talk like that, but I really don't believe it. That's foolhardy talking. Uh, fornication and sexual immorality. Greed. Yeah, there it is again. Greed right along with, right along with covetousness. Lusting. Desiring what God has not allowed. Lusting. The lust of the flesh. The lust of the eyes. Haters of God. Hatred towards one another. You know, believers ought not hate. How many agree with that? Can a believer hate? Yeah. It's wrong. It's wrong. Homosexuality. It's wrong. No matter what our country says right now, it's wrong. By the way, just understanding in our, in, in, in our Christian circles because we stand against something does not mean that we do not love a person. God loves you, but he does not condone your sin. And that's where our culture is, is getting mixed up in these, these issues. Just because we say that it is wrong and it is against God does not mean I've stopped loving you. I want you to be right with God so you can have a right relationship with God. So homosexuality is a, a sin that is running all over our nation or at least is elevated by, by the news media and by the culture to such a place that it feels like it's all over the nation, but it is being glorified on a very, very public, uh, public stage. It grieves my heart uh, even to see some, uh, some of our founding fathers. Uh, I think about the Lincoln Library recently. Uh, they put out over, uh, over Facebook and, and just celebrating the, the Pride Month and just thinking that these presidents and these people that were founders would have revolted in their hearts against some of this stuff. Hypocrisy, acting in a certain way that's not real, not genuine. You know, oftentimes we say, we hear people say, we don't want to go to church because there's a bunch of hypocrites there. But you know what? Sometimes, sometimes the indictment is true. We walk in, hey, everything's good, but it's not good. It's not good. God despises that insincerity. We need to have truth in the inward parts as well as on the outside. Hypocrisy, it's a sin to be... Uh, repented of idolatry putting anything ahead of god anything ahead of god well we don't have idols we don't have a buddha in our home friends buddha got really big in our home sometimes you know it's 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 our home itself or it is our car or it is our tv or it is our 
our schedule. It is whatever we put ahead of God is our idol. We are very idolatrous, even as God's people. God's people in the Old Testament struggle with going back into idolatry as much as God's people today struggle with going back into idolatry. And God, in our hearts, as our kind Heavenly Father continues to nudge us and say, don't do that, don't do that, don't give that time to that, give that time to me. And, he, and we say, no, I want my idol more. It's a sin to be repented of. Immorality, uh, as, as noted in Galatians 5, verse 19, the, sin of the uh, sins of the flesh, impurity, all impurity, uncleanness, that which just does not honor God. Jealousy, jealousy, wanting what someone else has, wanting their talent, being jealous of them. You know, jealousy is like bitterness. It will burn the container. It will destroy the container. Jealousy is an amazing thing. I was reading through as we're, as we're trekking through the, the Bible in these 90 days. I was reading through uh, Saul, how, how jealous he was. It absolutely dominated everything that he did, even to the point that he's willing to take his own son's life. Can you imagine throwing a javelin, a spear at your own son? over jealousy. As long as David is alive, your, your throne isn't settled, Jonathan. And so, listen, he was so jealous that he would even go after his own kids. It's amazing. Jealousy, a sin to be repented of and to be turned away from and not to be covered, uh, covered up. Jesting, just the foolish joking and, and, and crude. Uh, judging one another, putting ourselves in the place of God. And now I, I, I quickly add to this, there is a whole, uh, there's, a whole, there's a whole thing that goes along with that in our, in our culture. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. Uh, we are to make righteous judgments as, as God's people. We are not the judge. In understanding our place under the judge. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Yes or no? Yes, he will. He will. I am not in the place of God. But friends, we do have to make determinations and determinations according to the word of God. So what is being talked about is where I'm putting myself in the place of God and, and acting as if I am God. And so judging in that way, I, uh, I say it, knowing to do good but doing it not, James 4, 17, laying up treasures on earth. How much has that happened as we think about the American dream in our country? How much of it has been laying up treasures on earth? I was just talking to Brother, uh, brother, uh, brother uh, Tom Patterson with the Grenada Bible Project, and God is just absolutely exploding this, the, the financing for this. We, are, uh, and we have just passed the line for 25% since April in starting this. Amen? Isn't that amazing? So just last week, there was a dear, uh, there was a, a dear couple that came, uh, came to him and, and said, listen, uh, uh, we want to help out. We want to speed this along the way, and we'll even use some of our retirement to help, help get this along the way. You know what? They, they realized, and, and they did it real wise. They've got their pastor involved and so forth, but their hearts were just moved by the need there in Grenada to get these Bibles on, on their way. And what, I am, and what I'm saying to you, th there is much in our thinking. We get so, so temporal-minded. God says don't lay up treasure here on earth. doesn't mean don't be smart, don't plan. It doesn't mean any of that. I'm not going against that. There is wisdom. The Proverbs is full of that, that type of wisdom, but it does not have a hold on us. Does, does your career, does your wealth have a hold on you? Or do you have a hold on it? 
Is it something that you're laying up treasure in heaven? You're, you're looking on eternal things. And so uh, there's so much of that that goes on. Living for pleasure in this, in this day. It does not mean that God has not allowed us all things, uh, all things and he's given to us things to enjoy. But living for it, that's our focus of life. Being a lover of self. Loving the world, 1 John 2 and verse number 15. Loving another person more than Jesus lusting after women for men he says that's just like committing adultery with her already in your heart lying not telling the truth yet sometimes we say ah it's just a small lie it's not that big of a deal but God says even a lie a lie in and of itself is worthy of of eternal punishment in a place called hell revelation 21 and verse number eight malice murder murder murmuring and complaining Pride, God says it's one of the seven things that he is an abomination to him. Quarrels that come out of pride. Reviling, saying awful things. Um, slander, if you will. Uh, sensuality, a focus on, on, on sexuality, which is all around our nation. And if we're not careful, we'll fall right prey. It's slander. Sorcery. Now it's mentioned in in the New Testament. Sorcery, the the worship of Satan. It is a sin that is growing in our nation. Scary. I remember going down to Honduras when I was seventeen. It was the first time I'd ever come face to face with with open satanic worship. And I'll tell you what, that got a hold of my mind. I remember Bob Adams was his name. He's with the Lord now. He's just a happy, happy old guy. And uh, he was he's a white-haired, bald, bald guy. He always wore, a, wore a, a cowboy hat. And he's just happy everywhere he goes. His, his glasses were as thick as the bottom of a Coke bottle. Just a happy, happy guy. He used to fly and bring, uh, uh, bring Bibles and different literature to places, but I got to go on a missions trip with him, and I'm not sure if I was a help to him at all at that, at that point in my life. I look back on that. That was an interesting time, but I remember him saying something as we were going to be going to a certain area. He says, this is a place you better make sure you're right with God. Ooh. Because of the, the sorcery and the wickedness, and uh, he said, they can tell who's a phony. By the way, Satan knows who's a phony. He is real. He is absolutely real, and he, he is working so very hard, and he's leading people right into the Satan, uh, Satan worship, right in our own area. Speaking against the Holy Spirit. It's a blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, attributing to Satan the things that really are the works of God. Stealing. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, let him that steal, stole, steal no more. Strife and quarreling, Galatians 5 and verse 20, swearing an oath, not intending to keep it, but swearing in the wrong, uh, the wrong way, swindling, actually looking for a way to swindle, to take some, uh, something that belongs to another in a very calculated way. Thievery and theft, treachery, unbelief. Yes, unbelief is a sin against God. 
Every time we do not believe the word of God and we choose to believe our own thoughts or the world's thoughts or the culture's thoughts, it's a sin against God. Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness will absolutely rot our life. It will. And God says, I want you to forgive as I've forgiven you, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 32. Ungodliness, anything that does not promote God, that which is not God-like. And he says, this is a sin. This is a sin to be repented of. Unrighteousness, wickedness, wrath. Wrath is, is an elevation of anger. It comes out of anger. It's just out, absolute outrage. And so there are so many sins and more. There's 120 that we've, just, uh, we've mentioned there all throughout the New Testament. These sins are mentioned. And God says, I don't want any of these sins in your life. And by the way, God says, I don't even want you to speak about the things that they do in private and they do, um, they do out there in the world. Don't even speak about it. I don't want it mentioned among you. I don't want it in your life. Ephesians uh, uh, on chapter number uh, uh, 3, I believe. And he says, I don't even want you to, to be talking about these things. These are against God. I want you to be walking in holiness, not covering these things. And when we give uh, fall to the temptation, we have a choice. Do we cover our sin? Do we cover our sin? What does the Proverbs mean here? What is Solomon saying when he writes here, he that covereth his sin shall not prosper. He that hides it, he prevents it from being seen. Uh, he, he coats over it. I really wanted to bring in here this morning a, 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 a wall board and, uh, and show this illustration, but it would have taken too much time. It would have taken, uh, we would have had to been here for a little while. But the illustration I want you to think about here in this matter of covering, as a painter, I realized very quick, you cannot paint over permanent marker and get away with it. How many of you tried that before? It doesn't work. Now, you can find some paints that are specially designed to do that, but just take a, you know, one of the paints you pick up from Walmart or a, or a, or a Lowe's or whatever, just a, a, a ordinary paint. It, it is going to continue to bleed through and bleed through and bleed through. And, you know, there's other things you can't paint over. You can't paint over oil. Someone splashed a bunch of olive oil on the wall. You're going to have to deal with that. But here's the thing as we consider it, it this idea of covering is to paint over. Now, I do not enjoy watching hoarders. I have used hoarders in a specific way to help our children understand that we don't want to go that way. So it, it's almost like a, a, a little bit, here's, here's what happens out there, so don't, uh, don't, don't and clean up the room. Because we have, we actually have. In this past year, we've actually, we've actually uh, put on uh, hoarders and watched this. This is what your room could be if we don't, if we don't stand up and say, this is the line, all right? This is, this is the way. We have. Absolutely. It's a great, it's a great teaching tool. But you know what? When they come in to clean up a hoarder's house, they don't say, hey, you know what? We're just going to coat over all this. No, there's mold. There's all sorts of garbage everywhere. There's who flung what all over the walls. And I mean, it's just, it's, it, it, you can't come in there and spray Febreze as much as Febreze would like you to think that you can just spray Febreze and it'll take care of all the issue. Uh, you can't just come in and spray Febreze and make it all, all, all good. It's like, you know, these the commercials that they use, you know, covering it up. That's exactly the idea of this, this covering. I'll just paint over it and spray over it. Get rid of the smell. If it doesn't smell, it's not bad, right? No, no, it, it, still, it still has a problem. There's still an issue there. It, you, can, you can spray so much Febreze, but if you don't clean the bathroom... It, the problem is still there, and it needs to be taken care of. You can't just cover over. So the idea here that Solomon's using is we can do that with our sin. You know what? I'll just spray some Febreze. You know, I'll talk in flowery spiritual language, and it'll cover over the sin that's going on in my life. 
Now, there are characters in illustration all throughout Scripture that, that show this out to us. But, you know, Achan, he tried to hide it. He literally stuffed it in the, in the earth. Uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira, they ignored it. We'll come to church and just ignore the fact that we're actually being dishonest to the Holy Spirit and we're going to give our sacrifice like nothing ever, uh, nothing's going on. Downplaying it. It's not that big of a deal. You know, this sin isn't really that big of a sin. Every sin that we commit is worthy of death. And were it not for the grace of God, we would be spending eternity in a place called hell for that sin. Is any sin not a big deal? There's not a sin that is not a big deal. And every sin in our lives as believers causes a breach in fellowship with God. It's a big deal. Downplaying it, justifying it. We don't call sin what it is. We call, a white, we call it a white lie. We don't call it being dishonest and bearing false witness. Oh, it's just joking when in actuality it was slander. Making up for it. King Saul did this when he was supposed to kill the Malachites. Well, Samuel, I understand. But, you know, we brought back sheep for sacrifices. And what did, uh, what did uh, Samuel say? To obey is better than sacrifice. But no, no, we, we brought back this to, to be able to sacrifice to God and worship God. Now, I understand I didn't really obey God. Well, that's not how he came out in the first place. I, I, I've obeyed the voice of the Lord. He's covering right up. Trying to make up for it with, with other things. Listen, we can't come in here and use our church attendance or being nice to one another or doing something else spiritual to cover up for sin that's going on in our life and we're not willing to deal with that permanent marker will bleed through. The Bible says, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. He's not going to thrive. He's not going to make favorable progress forward. He's not going forward in his life until he deals with the sin. The permanent marker always bleeds through. Sin's going to hinder my fellowship with my Heavenly Father. Matthew 6 and verse number 15, if I don't forgive men their trespasses, I'm not going to be forgiven of him there's a breach. Whenever there's something wrong here, there's something wrong here. Sin will trouble you and defile others. Hebrews 12 and verse number 15, that root of bitterness will spring up in our lives. It troubles us. It disturbs us. Have you ever been disturbed before? I have. Disturbed in your heart. There's no peace. There's no comfort of the Holy Ghost. Troubled in the inside and thereby, because of that trouble, defile many. Sin will trouble you and defile others. Sin will cause physical problems. The Bible says in Psalm 32 and verse 3 that when I kept silence, David speaking, my bones waxed old through my roaring all the day long. You realize that's what the, the idea is. Literally, as I say no to God and don't deal with the sin, my bones wax old, they get old, I groan, I ache, I pain. Many people are going to the doctor to find solution for their pain when actually it's a spiritual problem. Many people are going to psychiatrists to find answers for their, their mental problems when actually it is a spiritual problem that needs to be dealt with. Not all problems, I understand, I, 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 but I, I do want us to understand that many of the, the cognitive dissidents, the, the issues that we're constantly struggling with in our minds and our mentalities really could rooted out with getting, getting right with God. But you know, true to our culture, what we've done, we've put a medical term on everything, including the conviction of sin. If you're not, not right with God, you will have mental problems and you will have physical problems. Why? 
you are all connected. You are tripart, body, soul, and spirit. You cannot be wrong in one area with the other areas not being affected. You will go to bed at night. Well, I can't sleep. Well, sometimes there's a physical issue to that, but sometimes it is merely a, a spiritual issue. We're not right with God. Or we're not right with our spouse. Or we're not right with somebody else. And our minds roar and roar and roar. Sin will hinder my prayers. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Sin will dull my witness. I, I shouldn't even go over that uh, so fast, but I, I, I'm trying to get to the hopeful part of this. But literally, if I am harboring sin in my heart, God says, come to me with a prayer seeking forgiveness. Get right with me. Get right with me, and then we'll talk. That's not God being nasty. Uh, sin is against God. It hurts your heavenly father, and so he asked you to get right with him so you can have a free and open prayer relationship with him. Sin dolls our witness, 1 Corinthians uh, 15 and verse 34. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. We do not have an eternal perspective on the lost because many times we have sin in our hearts that's being regarded and covered over. I'm not going to get away with covering sin. God told his own people in Numbers 32, be sure your sin will find you out. Let's say that together. Be sure your sin will find you out. There were a couple, a couple years ago, I was putting down mulch around that fish pond I was talking about in Sunday school. And uh, I just wanted it to get to look better. It looked nasty. So I just wanted to get it to look better. And so I've just put mulch down. And it struck me as I was putting down that mulch that it isn't going to look good in about three weeks. I actually took a picture of it because I, 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 this illustration comes to mind. You don't snip off the, the, if you don't get it at the root, if you don't take care of the sin at the root, it's coming back. We don't like that. It's the most uncomfortable thing in the world to get to the root of the problem. But friends, we must, we must honor God's word. He says, be sure your sin will find you out. It will grow up. It will come up. For night and day, thy hand was heavy upon me. Have you experienced the convicting hand of God pressing down upon you? You know what that is to go to sleep with that on your heart? You know what that is to go? It's not freedom, friends. We can praise God all day long for July 4th, but if we have the hand of God heavy upon us because we've sinned against our Heavenly Father, it's a big problem. We've got to deal with it. We must go through with it. And so there is a choice that we can make. We can cover it up or we can confess it. We can confess it. And here's what we know. The Holy Spirit's always leading us to do. He says, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh it of them shall find mercy or shall have mercy. The contrast here is confess or cover or confess and forsake. The contrast here is you're not going to prosper, you're not going to thrive, or you're going to have mercy. That's the contrast. Well, it's a no-brainer. But why is it so hard? I think sometimes because we don't think we're going to find mercy in our Heavenly Father or we're not going to find mercy on someone else to forgive. The definition of confessing is to admit, to acknowledge. David did, I acknowledge my sin unto thee and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgression unto the Lord and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. Selah. David had to come to the point where he said, I acknowledge it to God. You know that's hard? I acknowledge it to God. I acknowledge this. That's why when we talk about getting right, I'm sorry, I was wrong for, please forgive me. You know what that is? That's acknowledging it. 
I apologize. Oftentimes people say, well, they're still trying to defend themselves. If I, whatever. But friends, do we understand the importance? I am sorry. I was wrong. Please forgive me. I am acknowledging that I did sin. And we need to do that with our Heavenly Father. I acknowledge my sin. You saw it all. I acknowledge what you saw. Confessing is to say the same thing as. So if you confess that lie to your Heavenly Father, do not confess it as, well, I just, I just misspoke. No, confess the actual thing. Say the same thing as God's saying about your sin and forsake it to abandon it. It's not, I'm confessing, but I know tomorrow I'll probably do the same thing anyway. That is a false teaching that is, that is used in some religions. Well, I can confess and tomorrow I can go do again. No, the heart is, I'm coming to God, I'm saying this, I don't want it anymore. Does it mean I'll never do it anymore? I have flesh. But God, I don't, my heart is, I don't want this anymore. I'm sorry for this. I'm broken over this and forsake it to abandon it, leave it behind. Don't expect forgiveness if you're still intent on continuing in it. Shall we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. God forbid. God wants to shower us with all of this grace, but it is not something that we should continue in. That sin, and he says here, when we, when we confess and forsake it, we'll have mercy, we'll be given forgiveness, we'll be granted kindness. 1 John 1, 9, say with me if you know it, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have no sin, we lie and do not the truth, and the truth is not in us. What is that? I'm covering it up. I'm covering it up. I have a question. When was the last time that you came to God and asked him to search you? When was the last time you sought God for forgiveness? I was wrong. When was the last time you went to your spouse and said, I, I was wrong for saying that to you. I was wrong for doing that to you. Will you please forgive me? Until we learn to not cover up, it'll always bleed through. It'll always come out in effect. Until we learn not to cover up, but rather to confess it, we'll never know the freedom. We'll never know the joy of walking in full freedom that God has provided for us. We are free indeed in Jesus Christ positionally, but many believers walk in bondage to their sin. God doesn't want it to be that way. Don't cover it, confess it. Say that with me. Don't cover it, confess it. That's what our nation needs. Listen, we say this of a marriage. What your marriage needs is you to be a good Christian, a, a good follower of Jesus Christ. What America needs is every believer in this building to be a good Christian, a one that is walking with God, not covering it, but confessing their sin, being right with God. As we come to this invitation time, I want to challenge us with the words of the songwriter, nothing between our soul and the Savior. Not of this world's delusive dream. I have renounced all sinful pleasure. Jesus is mine. There is nothing between, nothing between my soul and the Savior so that his blessed face may be seen. Nothing preventing the least of his favor. Keep the way clear. There is nothing between. Can you say, I'm free in my soul. There's peace in my heart. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior. There's nothing between me and another, another believer, another person. There's nothing between my soul and the Savior. Would you bow with me in prayer and stand today? I invite every person today to do business with God. I want you to be free. I preach this because I want you to be free in your spirit. It would not be right of me as, as the ambassador of the Lord in this place and, and standing in this place for me not to challenge you on this day that we celebrate national freedom. 
but not challenge you to be spiritually experiencing the freedom that Christ has provided with for you. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. How many say this morning, Pastor, I know for certain that I am saved, that Christ has given me eternal life and the forgiveness of my sins. I am assured of that today. Can I see your hand? I know for sure. Amen. How many would say, Pastor, I've not been walking in that freedom, that positional freedom. I've not been knowing the freedom because I've allowed myself to come into bondage to sin. God has shown that to me this morning. I want to be right with God today. Could I see your hand? No one looking around. I want to be right with God today. What is that sin that God is convicting you about right now? I'm inviting every person that needs to pray to find a place to pray in this auditorium. Kneel and pray. You know what? Every one of us are sinners. Can I get an amen to that? Every one of us struggles with the flesh. So this is not time to say, well, uh, I wonder what other people are doing. This is time for us to do business with God. Do you want to be set free? Let's pray to God right now. Let's confess, acknowledge whatever he's putting on your heart right now. Would you do business with the Lord? The altar is open. I invite you to come. I invite you to kneel at your seat. Let's do business with the Lord right now. Nothing between my soul and the Savior. Nothing between. Nothing between. Thank you for listening today. For more information about Grace Baptist Church, please visit our website at gracebaptistofkettering.org. And remember, you are always welcome at Grace Baptist Church.